Welcome, it's SV Pod. Stanford Steve is alongside. We'll talk some uh, college basketball with Brendan Quinn from The Athletic. The Juwan Howard story, significant. He wrote an interesting column about that. Also, just kind of open, open mic on who we like. Who's good? Who could win a title? Stanford Steve and I have covered that ground. Curious who he who he likes. He's uh, as good as anybody covering college basketball. So for those of you that are just maybe joining the, the fun, there are people that don't follow it from November on quite as closely as others. Uh, he'd be a good starting point to kind of get your beak wet on the college hoop front. How are you, big man? I'm good. Uh, what are you smiling about? That's always dangerous. Uh, you said, uh, you know, obviously football's done. We're in hoops, right? Yeah. And you took a little trip this weekend, and I've been gone the last couple weekends. So I got to take in my first eight-year-old rec league women's basketball game. I think it's young. I think it's girls. I think is the it's girls basketball. Mm-hmm. Steve. Be careful who you ask of those eight-year-olds, though. Okay. You no. Know? Well, if do you want to know what the score was at halftime? Can I guess? Yes. Give me an over-under. <laughs> no, I can't. The over-under at eight-year-olds? Yes. Running, how many, how long are the quarters? <laughs> Nine-minute running quarters. So 18 minutes of action yep. between women slash ladies slash, um, we'll just leave it at that, uh, total number of points, the, the score, I'm sorry, the, the score, score at halftime, two-nothing. Close. Two two. No, that's why it's more unbelievable. One nothing. <laughs> Someone made a free throw. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't us. <laughs> so, so you're getting blanked at halftime. What kind of a, what kind of second half adjustments did we make? Well, you know, we we still got the old possession rule in the backcourt. You get a rebound, like it's really hard to tell the people that that they can't take the ball. Uh, but we exploded. Uh, in the second half, and ended up losing 13-11. But we're getting better. Out, outscored them. No, actually, you didn't. You, no. I was going to say you got outscored 12-11 in the second. Yeah. How how was it? Did, did the, how did your player feel? Did your player enjoy herself? Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm a bystander. I'm sitting at the end of the bleachers by myself, uh, taking it all in. God bless the referee. Um, and, uh, yeah, do you, so I, just, do you, I wanted to give you a little update. I, I, look, I live for these. <laughs> Please tell me there's no dad in there. Like being like, call the travel. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Block. It did. I mean, last quarter, two point game, it got a little heated and, uh, the coaches were getting a little fired up, but oh, it was, boy. uh, very, Please good. never let that be me. I know. Oh, I mean, it's coming. It's yeah, coming. but I just I can't wait. No, I mean, can't I, wait. I just I want to I want to just be the quiet person that's rooting. Just I want to be cheering and supportive no of all the youngsters. No chance. I'll be so nervous. <laughs> right? So nervous. Um did 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 we get in the score sheet? Did we make a bucket? We did not. It's okay. No. How about do we a couple floor burns? We're good. All right. Effort. Yeah. What do you what do you take? What have you I told, told her? All, I Steve? told her when people ask you what position you play, you just say rebounder. Okay. That's it. And we'll it do doesn't that. cost anything to try hard. Correct. There you go. Effort. There it is. There you go. Give it willingly. Love that. Okay. So 13, yeah. uh, 13, 11. Yeah. What's the name of our team? Like red team or do we have a name? 
Uh, I believe it's the icebreakers. Icebreakers. Go get them. Break. Go get them. Breakers. <laughs> icebreakers on three. One, two, three. Silence. Right. No. That's hard to organize. Wait. Are we? Is it on three or what? Yeah. Um, it's so. The score at halftime was one nothing in the icebreakers game. Mm-hmm. But that's almost equal to the number of dunks made Saturday night in the dunk <laughs> contest. You told me when we convened on Monday, you saw none of it. Accurate? I saw, I, I bet on Jalen Green and I saw him miss a dunk and I'm like, well, that's it. It's done. And then before I went to bed, I went on social media. I saw he missed like seven more and ended up getting outpointed, which I just, I was glad I turned the channel. Old people complaining about the way things used to be is, is not great content. So mm-hmm. I, I don't aspire to do that. No. Uh, and I would say that Levine and Gordon in 2016 showed us that it can be great. It just isn't, you know, Cole, Cole Anthony and some putting on the Tims and mm-hmm. taking his pants and whatever. What I don't, I mean, if you miss five dunks, like stop trying. It's just, you can't, I'm, no one has the time for this, man. No. Did any of you practice these dunks? If you can't do them, <laughs> then don't try them. I, how many years ago was it with Rosillo that I said, make it like American Idol? Probably 10. I swear to God, right? Yeah. Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, Memphis, New York, Boston, D.C., Philly. Give me an all, like, give me 25 gigantic cities coast to coast. Get out to the West Coast, Seattle, Portland, Vegas, Phoenix, L.A., San Francisco. I could keep going. I don't need to keep naming towns. You get the gist. Mm -hmm. Bring in dunkers, American Idol style. Have them try out. Have the best. Knock each other out until we get to eight in the All-Star game. I mean, they'd be better than what we saw. And it, it'd give somebody a chance that we don't, whose name we don't know, to become some sort of a star. They end up getting an ad out of it. They make some dough. It's like American Idol. Mm-hmm. Who's hurt? Nobody. I mean, figure this out. I, I gave you this idea free a decade ago. No one's done anything with it. Um, there, we reiterated it. Our thought. That's how you fix the dunk contest. I actually saw some of the game and I happened to just by good luck catch the stretch where Steph Curry decided he would take and make 40 footers like layups. And I don't know what, I don't know how to say what he is, but it, we don't, we, it's not appreciated enough. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. That's a great way to say it. Whatever it is, he is. No words or anything. You just have to see it. No one does that like that. And in a way that where, and it was third quarter where it was just, that's, he was people, there's no such thing as the zone. I'm not here for these arguments, whatever it was that he was in the third, he's the only one that that gets like that, where it's that stupid. And he's turning around the second off after it's off his fingertips from 35 feet running back because he knows it's bottoms. He does that bit in the corner where he turns around. Is it in? Oh, it was in. And then he goes galloping back down the other way there's he's the only one that does that and i get nba twitter not everybody's everybody's favorite flavor people get very territorial don't like certain people if you don't like that then you suck Mm. and i can't i can't help you that's that's just joy in 
in athletics and it's to be celebrated. Does it matter? No, that doesn't matter. But he does that stuff like that in actual games. Uh, and he did it in the all-star game and just, I'm just glad I caught it live. Cause I just, I just couldn't stop laughing. And then I'd rewind it. Like I just, I don't know. I don't know. He's, it's not appreciated enough. It's just the best who won his team, right? LeBron made a shot. Yep. He wants to play with Bronny, Steve. He does. I think that's awesome. But if I'm a team, like, do I want 39-year-old LeBron for a second-round type talent? And is that trade-off worth it? That's a tough one. Mm. Right? Yeah, I'd have to get back to you in a couple of years on that one. Well, look, if, I mean, what LeBron still is, is is impossible. I mean, it makes no damn sense that physically he's still this. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, that's a lot to take on. Because if you know what I feel, you know what it feels like it would have to be. It feels like it would have to be Cleveland, where there's you already gave us the championship, so anything we get at this point's gravy. We're happy to take your son on. It's if if he if he's just a second round guy that's a roster spot, but it makes you happy and it's a cool story. Like okay, you get you gave us enough. Mm. I just it'd be hard to take on a 39 year old LeBron and his son, and let me his son can get better. Kids get better, right? They obviously you're allowed to improve, and he might. But at the at this point, he's not seen as some surefire like first round or lottery type player. Um, so that's it's just an interesting thing. It makes it just makes more sense, in my opinion, to take it on if you've already got an established relationship where we don't need you to be something you haven't already been, which is a player on our team. <laughs> <laughs> he's. I'm trying to think how many people in sports have the have the juice to call that shot. Oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what we're doing. I'm old. <laughs> I don't have a ton left in the tank. My kid's coming. He gets two for one. <laughs> you ready? Uh, icebreakers on three. One, two, three. <laughs> That's uh, I, uh, he might be one of one. So that was Sunday night, Steve. The the girls' uh, women's game was when Saturday. Saturday morning, yeah. So it was kind of it was a hoops weekend, and big. it was big. And the the biggest story of the weekend, and I missed it because I was I was down trying to grab some sunshine, trying to get some vitamin D, little toes some, in the sand, <laughs> trying to make my head look more like Deadpool, <laughs> so people could tell me I look more like I have a disease on television. <laughs> Internet's really kind. <laughs> yeah, we were down. I missed it, but I got back in time that I see my phone and it's like Juwan Howard question mark. I just put his name in Twitter and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, whoa, that was no good all around. And rather than us just go through this, I reached out to a guy named Brendan Quinn, writer for The Athletic, who's fantastic. And it's an entree to cover that, which was a gigantic story, not only this weekend, but moving forward and also sort of where we are in college basketball as we got our final week in February. It's a pleasure to welcome in Brendan Quinn from The Athletic, who is as good in the college basketball space as anybody. Uh, This is rare, Stanford Steve. I feel like a lot of times with an athlete or a coach, we welcome in someone who we haven't met or said hello to. But we are literally saying our hellos as we start here. So hello, and thank you for gracing us with your time and your presence. Uh, neither is valuable. So I am really happy to uh, be doing this. And uh, 
like I told you before, it's weird to go on a show you listen to. Usually it's like, you know, WXPW in Toledo right. or uh, some station in Slappy in the coach. <laughs> <laughs> so this is great. This is great, man. I'm happy to do it. Well, a quick backstory. Yeah. You wrote the story on Maryland about the coaching search and it was so well done. And I reached out to Jeff Goodman, who Stanford Steve and I, we love. And sure. he's he's judicious with the sugar. All right. I'll put it that way. <laughs> he doesn't hand out kisses a lot. Got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of salt, though. That's what, Yes, he does. <laughs> so, so when he says to me, Quinn's the best writer covering college basketball, I say, wow, that's high praise from a guy whose work I respect quite a bit. And I would I, I agree. I mean, listen, I really the, the thing that you did on Maryland and eventually I'll get to that. Mm-hmm. It, it just spoke to the level of uh, work you put in because you you got the like Maryland's a complicated place. It's a good job, but it's got some it's got some tricky things that people might not realize. And you covered all of that. And so that just to me, that speaks to your approach to what you do. And uh, I admire that. So there's a little uh, tip of the cap as we begin here. I mean, um, I'm ready to wrap up on that, guys. That <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Coming up next on Slappy and the Coach, Toledo's Drive Time Sports Leader. Uh, look, there's a lot going on. It's almost March, so I want to get I want to hit some of the high notes on the season. But given what just happened with Jawan Howard over the weekend, something you wrote about on Monday, let's work our way backwards and begin with where they Michigan landed with the suspension. What what's your sense of of whether that was in the end about right? To me, I interpreted that as as Athletic Director Ward Manual clearly co-signing believing the the responsibility first and foremost fell on on Juwan because you know you can say yeah Wisconsin there was this Wisconsin there was that Greg guard this Greg guard that assistant coach this assistant coach that but at the end of the day you know if you want to get to the starting point on what happened at the end of the game you, you go with Juwan and if you want to get to the starting point of what happened in the handshake line you go to Juwan and then you want to go to the most explosive moment. It was, it was him raising his hand and coming over the top. And, and so, you know, the suspension, I think spoke to that, the fact that there weren't staff suspensions from Wisconsin, that all the player suspensions were limited to one game, not two or more. And then Juwan had five. So that was, that was a joint decision between Michigan and the big 10. And, and it was, I think Ward Manuel saying, you know, we're not pushing back on this. This is what it is. How much do you think what happened last year with Maryland plays in? Because he had a dust up with Mark Turgeon. Yeah. And there was a lot that went into that. But ultimately, push came to shove almost almost literally. And mm-hmm. Jawan, I mean, you asked the Maryland side and, you know, he, he told Turgeon, I'm going to kill you. Yes. And it was physical. And then, I mean, Jawan's a charming guy and he does the whole South Side of Chicago bit. And like that was in the middle of the Big Ten tournament. There was no suspension of any kind from the Big Ten, which I know Maryland folks thought, really? And so I wonder how much does the fact that this is the second time in two years that there's a near, well, in this case, a, an actual physical altercation and, and how much that was sort of weighed by Michigan in the Big Ten? Well, it, I mean, it was from my understanding, it was pretty damn close to him being suspended for that Saturday. I guess it would have been the, the semifinal versus Ohio State, but he uh, wasn't. It went, it went, it went right up to it, and and late in the game, it it never got to that point. So the conversation was at the league office, though, for sure, and it got very close, which means that at some point, 
there had to have been a look, man, like this can't happen. You can't have coaches going at coaches on, on the court. So like that conversation had been had and then this happened on top of it. So I do think like a lot of people wanted to say, oh man, they should add a game or this or that because, you know, he wasn't that contrite in the press conference or he didn't just come right out and say, apologize, whatever. I, I think the Maryland incident, incident carried way more weight than whatever happened in, in the in the immediate fallout of, of that actual fracas or melee or whatever the hell you want to call it. When, when you, uh, you go back, you're a Philly guy. I remember reading earlier this year, you wrote an awesome article about Martelli having a chance to play Arizona again in Las <laughs> Vegas. That goes back to 96, which is a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, but this is, it's a weird dynamic, right? I mean, you, I made fun of it last year. Michigan couldn't be, have a game on TV without somebody mentioning that Phil Martelli was on Juwan Howard's staff. Now he comes out, he says today, I'm not replacing him. I'm going to be me. Can this get dicey for how Michigan looks under Martelli in these five? I mean, they're five huge games. They, they are huge games for sure. I mean, they have an NCAA tournament bid hanging yeah. in, in the balance. So if it, if Martelli were young, up-and-coming coach, and you're like, well, wait a second, what happens if they reel off five games in a row? This could end mm-hmm. up getting a little awkward considering the preface of, of what right? – Look, Phil's 68, something like no, that. No, I, I got, yeah. You know, he might have another head job in him, but I, I, it ain't at Michigan. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> no, um, he's not nudging him out of the chair with I, his with his backside. No, no. What I'm what I'm saying is just like if it wasn't Jawan, it was obviously going to be somebody else. And when yeah. a school makes a decision on a coach, there's obviously two sides, or maybe three sides if they're three candidates. I just wonder about the strength of the people that didn't think of Jawan as being the head coach. Uh, do they have a bigger voice now where it's a big school, man. That's a huge alumni. I just wonder how the dominoes fall there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a fair question. Uh, I don't think he's ever really approached a danger level. Um, mm. I, I think the, the, it, it's gotta be a pretty thin rope at this point though. You know, the, yeah. the idea of, uh, of what just happened, you know, and the conversation, I imagine there are a lot of, um, whether you want to call them stipulations, whether you want to call them penalties or punishments or whatever that, that we might not even know about that could all be internal and not publicized things. Um, and whether it's a zero tolerance policy or whether it's a, you know, you, you know, counseling or whatever, I have no idea, no clue, you, but you, but you said, but you said it in your article, he can go one of two ways here, right? Yeah. He can, in your column, he can go one of two ways and he, he left no room for interpretation. This will not happen again. Yeah. I said on SportsCenter, it's good. It shouldn't. And I get, Brendan, I always say we're all from somewhere, right? I get the Michigan people that had their guys back. And I should never be amazed at what I see on Twitter because God only knows. But, man, the the mental gymnastics to turn this into Greg Gard put his hands on mm-hmm. Jawan Howard. Like, you're from Philly. Stanford mm-hmm. Steve's from downstate in Connecticut. All right. I'm from the DC area to where we're from. If you say you put your hands on somebody, what you're saying is you did something that led to a physical altercation. That meant we're going to fight, right? That's what that means. Greg Gard didn't put his hands on Juwan Howard in that sense. He stopped him from walking as he's being barked at about that timeout. And it appears he's going to give him like, Hey, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Like you got your starters in and you're pressing. And sure. I called a timeout. Like, I get that guards stopped him, but the notion that 
he put his hands on him like you're trying really hard to make this somebody else's fault. And I just can't buy any of that. Yeah, I mean, I, so I think there's a lot of gray in, in how we interpret it and how, frankly, guys like guys who look like us interpret it as well. I understand that. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So I think that is that exists in this gray area. And, you know, this. I agree. Right. On video, he, he, he puts his hand on him and it looks like a coach wanting to talk to another coach. I think it's also as clear in that video that Juwan Howard didn't look like a dude looking for niceties, looking to have a conversation, certainly looking to have Greg Gard explain anything to him in that moment. So fair, you know, all fair. Maybe, read, maybe read the room a little bit and, and yep. realize this ain't happening right now yep. and just keep on rolling by. That doesn't excuse anything that Juwan Howard did, but you don't know how he interpreted that contact. I don't know how he interpreted that contact, but he clearly lit a fuse. So, but I know this be right or wrong that happened, but I know this, I know that Michigan, I, I, I know that Michigan, co-signed this five-game suspension and that Wisconsin said, this ain't a Greg Gard fine, we're paying it. They Wisconsin looks at it and says it wasn't our guy, and Michigan looks at it and says it was ours. And yes. I think and I think having I feel like the thing I, I don't know where you land on this. This bums me out so much about the way the world works now. Juwan puts out a statement. What do people do? They grade it and decide whether he wrote it or not or whether he means it. God, that sucks. Like all it, he he what the statement expressed it felt to me genuine contrition mm-hmm. and i think i believe him i want to believe him because i think college basketball and the big Ten's more fun when somebody that's got that kind of cachet in the game is in the league i think it's great for the league and the sport of juan howard's coaching at michigan so i i want that to continue i can't i, I can't tolerate the well he didn't write it he didn't mean it how the f- do you know you know yeah, no doubt no doubt and like I also feel like the suspension in part is also there had to be a conversation here that said, listen, man, if if that fist had been bald yeah. and you made contact with him or if you had reached over and made contact with another player, with a Wisconsin player or Greg Gard himself, it's over. The whole thing's over and you're out. You know, like it, it just wouldn't have been anything that anyone could massage into a, a scenario with him keeping his job. It was that he was that goddamn close. And he and I think in the immediate aftermath of that game, when he had his press conference, I don't think that reality had set in. And then the conversations happened and you see it and you get it. And it's holy <laughs> that just happened, you know, yeah. so. I do. I do agree with that to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say in your article. You did an awesome part because I've been a part of crazy things that happen at the end of games, man. Mm-hmm. And it happens so fast. And then we see him going to the locker room. He comes to the press conference. You could tell he's still steaming. And then yeah. you put it out, you know, they're the players are on their plane ride home and they're looking at each other like, you see this? Did you see what happened here? Did you see what happened here? So then, obviously, you said the conversation had to have like, hey, this almost happened, and it was this close to happening. Now, Juwan comes out with a statement. People say what they want. He's got the five games. Will we hear from him on camera or in person before he coaches again? 
I'm, I'm, I'm just as curious as you are. And, and a little a snippet on, on the other side of that, that I didn't touch on that column. I probably should have Ward Manuel probably had to tell Juwan, I'm putting my ass on the line for you here. Mm. Right. Because he, it, it is, there are people calling for the job and it would be a fireball offense. And if something happens again, that's now it's on board. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a whole nother layer here. But to your question, um, I, I'm really curious to see what the play is here. If, if they put him on television with someone, if they, you know, have him speak to a writer, if they do something in house, or if they mm-hmm. just straight up wait to the Big Ten tournament, put him on a press conference, you know, uh, have confidence that he can handle it. He's a guy who's lived in the public life for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, is there a media day at Big Ten tournament? Smart dude, and I've seen him in, in I've seen him been be really engaged in press conferences. I've seen him been be disengaged in press conferences. Mm. And I've spoken to him one-on-one both where he was disinterested in talking and incredibly interested in talking. And so there is the, there is, there is not, he is not the guy who is going to be what you want him to be when you want him to be Right. Like he, he, and I think, you know, 20 years in, in the league, man, it's, yep. it's a different world. So, and now he's a college basketball coach and that's a different world. Um, but whatever they do, you know, like I, I said in that column, this can be something that makes him a better coach mm-hmm. at the end of the day. No doubt. If he plays it that way and if he looks as why and how this happened and, and whether that's personal things that have happened in his life that have led to that, whether it is just, okay, let's understand, you know, emotions. And because he's got this thing about Michigan, he says it's for competitors only. Yeah. That's, that's his big motto. Right. And they live and die by it. And that can be a, a great thing when you're cooking, right? But if you also have that, that's that's your baseline temperament. Competitors only, you know, we're going to run through a, a wall, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Well, the, the coach also has to have the the understanding of of, of how to pull the levers and yeah. keep that thing on, on track, right? And sometimes in competition, you lose. Exactly. exactly. And, that's, and that's okay. And yeah. it... it it's it's fascinating on a lot of levels, not the least of which is sort of what the expectation was for this team. They're now 14-11, mm-hmm. and they've got this stretch, and the question is, who are they? What are they? I mean, I, th- I think we've seen when, you know, play to their ceiling, they beat the crap out of Purdue. Uh, that, that's what they can look like, but they've had way too many nights where they've looked like some lesser version than that. So that's... That's a to be continued. Uh, I appreciate the context. I would direct folks to your article in The Athletic about that um, for more context. And, and as Steve said, you take us on that plane and you can imagine being a, a teenager going, wow, what just happened, man? It's it's heavy in a lot of different uh, a lot of different ways. As far as the calendar getting ready to turn to March, Stanford, Steve and I went through on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, just sort of a rapid fire. How many teams you think could win the title? And I didn't oh. get to as I didn't get to as many as Steve. How many did you end up with, big boy? February first, I wrote them down. I have twenty-one. There's no chance that twenty-one people can win six games. It's way too hard to win six games. I'll buy the twenty-one can win four. I but I did get to the. I mean, I got to the teens. I think because I mean, literally, it's the kind of thing where someone you say like, I don't know, Wisconsin could they win four games? Yeah, sure. Could they win six? I don't know, man. At some point, D- Davis maybe doesn't have a great night. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like. There's there's the warts or whatever that you can contemplate, but then in this somewhat open season, uh, I, I I just wonder sort of off the top of your head, are you like a double digit guy that could win six games? I I think I am because when you get into double digits, like if you're just looking at Ken Palm, like fifteen and up, you see names like like Illinois is there, Purdue's thirteen on Ken Palm, so you're definitely in the in the teens for sure. Sure. Um, 
you know, like Arkansas is there too. Uh, just, just, I, just, just, go ahead. When I think of it, when I look at the, what I see this year um, in college basketball, I, I don't know if I would get way down into, into the twenties because you're you know, talking about our, uh, LSU or whatever it may be, but like, it does feel oddly ripe for a year for one of those, one of those mid majors or something lurking down there, like in the thirties, your, your Colorado state, your Loyola, your Murray state, which I just wrote about. And, you know, they got, they got legit high major talent and they can, you know, they don't turn the ball over. They force turnovers. They get offensive rebounds. They don't allow offensive rebounds. You're like, man, that's a really good recipe that could have some some trouble. (laughs) Um, You know, maybe it's, maybe the, maybe those mid tier, like high majors aren't the ones that, that, that really crowd that space, but you get a couple elite ones. And, and one of those regions though, is, is weak and, 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 and ripe for who knows San Francisco or, or who knows to, to, to make a run. And, and they got to, they got to stop, they got to stop blowing leads, man. San Francisco's got to, I yeah. love when, I, when I've watched them, I really like them. And they've had too many games where they've blown leads. Who do you love? Who's the team you like I, when they come just on? You spent just three like, days I in Murray, them. Kentucky. So I'm saying Murray State. <laughs> that's that's <what> I'm <laughs> um, who do I love? I love, I probably love Arizona. Arizona, since I saw them in person in Vegas, I said, I, I will, I will be a if I do not just ride what I, what, you know, trust your eyes. And the eye test when that team walks in the gym is what the hell is that? Like mm-hmm. they are just, it's just dudes all over the place. So um, I, I love Arizona. Um, beyond that, I, I do really like, and I watch a lot of big 10 basketball, obviously where I'm yep. at. Um, I, I think this is a, a Purdue or Illinois year where one of them finds a way to, to get there. I don't know if they win the whole thing, but mm-hmm. I, I I would like to see a, a scenario of maybe one of them getting due after after the way last year ended, one of them getting to the to the final four. Um I don't really love anybody though. Like coming into the year, yeah. I was like, man, I kind of like Alabama's makeup. Jesus. <laughs> well, I mean, if you if you got a if you got a one or a two next to your name, you're in trouble. But I mean, if you're in the middle or the bottom of a conference, I mean they they've they've looked real ordinary and they've looked really good. And maybe that's maybe that's what a lot of teams are. Steve, I know you had your I, I interrupted you a minute ago. I know you're ready to go. Yeah, I was just saying you got to see Matherin. You've obviously seen Ivy and Johnny Davis. Do you uh take Matherin out of the national thing? Um, but Big Ten player of the year, do you have a vote? I do have a vote. Um, <laughs> who it's going to be? I don't know yet. Because <laughs> you just said those two names. Yeah. You said you said Davis and Ivy, right? Yeah. What about EJ Liddell? What about Kofi Coburn? Both of them. E- either of them. them. No, I, 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 either I, of them. Unreal, unreal numbers. EJ Liddell, like, what is Ohio State without EJ Liddell? My lord. Yeah. I. They just give it to yeah. Branham and get out of the way. How about that young guy? <laughs> Who? Like, yeah, he's legit. But if if Ohio State backdoors its way, because it, it's still relatively in play mm-hmm. to actually catch a share of the Big Ten title, yeah. if that team gets a share, I don't know how EJ Liddell doesn't get it. And then beyond that, I would say whatever – if someone wins it outright, I'm probably just voting their best player. So if Illinois wins it outright, congratulations, Kofi Coburn. If, <laughs> that, if, yeah. if, uh, if But if Ohio State gets a share, man, EJ Liddell, what he's what he's doing is is pretty incredible. You know what's interesting though, to to your point about the depth of the top 
talent in the Big Ten. Like put on the Johnny Davis tape in Assembly Hall. He was so good, right? Mm -hmm. But then put on the Kofi tape against the people when he against Wisconsin at home, where he just was an unstoppable force of nature. And then there's those flashes. I mean, against uh who was that again? It was against Illinois where Jaden Ivey had about an eight minute stretch where I want to say he scored or assisted on like 20, 20 consecutive points. I just, it's, it's whatever you vote, you could justify. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I feel like it's an important postseason for that conference to just yeah. not come up small and they, they continue to be deep. And, you know, I love Purdue and I'm going to paint her apologist, but like at some point, like don't lose to North Texas. Okay. Right. If you're like Ohio State, don't lose to Oral Roberts. I mean, collectively, you need and you can you can cry. The league takes a lot out of you. Go go cry to the Big 12. What's the easy game in that league? Go cry to the Big East. I mean, I get that the very bottom of that league is kind of soft, but I mean, it's just a rock fight nightly. So I just at some point it's a one off and we all know the frailties of that. But collectively, they have to put a better foot forward. I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, I mean, everyone talks about the the um, the national championship winless streak, but I mean, it's it goes well beyond that, you know. And one thing that I find particularly interesting about this year is metrics wise, right? Last year, this was supposed to be the best damn conference ever, and blah 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 blah. But if you looked at like the player pool, like there weren't a lot of guys that jumped out of it that much. But then you look at this year where the metrics say it's, it's not the best conference in the country and it's not going to get nine NCAA bids, but then you look at the pro talent in the league and there's like multiple lottery picks, which this league has not had in a long time. I like going back to like the Zeller Oladipo year. Um, But now you have Jaden Ivey and you've got Keegan Murray and you've got, and I'm going to blank right now on whoever the third person I wanted to say was. Davis. But, yeah, thank you, Johnny Davis. Like, suddenly there are legit lotto picks, you know, and does that translate? And, and even beyond that, when you look at the bigs, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's guys all over the place. I, I do wonder if the league having more high-end individual talent, but less team you know, uh, team success in terms of the amount of bids. If the individual talent actually leads to a more productive March, I have no idea, but it's, I'm curious to kind of see if that plays out in any way. One of the guys last year that did end up going to the league and, and he's playing well is, is Io DeSumo from, yeah. from Illinois. Do you think Illinois likes this squad better because of everything going through Coburn better when the tournament comes? I mean, the way Trent Frazier's playing um, for the lion's share of his of his season has been terrific. I think you would want to have more clarity on what Curbelo is yeah. right now. I was just at the game in East Lansing, whenever that was, last weekend, and played like 13 minutes mm. here and there. And it was like he played some minutes down the stretch, and that was noteworthy to, you know, kind of the, the Illini base of, okay, does this mean he is carving himself into a, a different role? Well, it's February 22nd. Yeah. If that's the conversation right now. Like, A, okay, does that give you a higher ceiling? Because suddenly you might have Andre Curbelo becoming a thing here in the last month of the year. Or is this something that starts to kind of disrupt something that's been doing pretty damn well? You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> Illinois kind of found a way after those early struggles when Curbelo had the head injury or whatever. Yeah. Um, they have found a way to make this work. Um, and the backcourt works. 
and they are they they have a you know they've had some hiccups here and there, but they're right there with Purdue as who's the best team in this conference. So um, does Curbelo raise the ceiling or does he complicate things? I don't I don't know. Both, both maybe. <laughs> he's he's that fascinating kind of guy. It's like he can shoot you in or out of games, but I, he's he's not afraid of the moment. That much is for sure. I I enjoy I just enjoy that this the what he brings to the to the floor. But Frazier's been the guy to me. I, I thought I thought Izzo's comments on him the other day were really interesting about the handshake line and talking about going up to Frazier and just telling him how much of a pain in the ass it's been to play against him and how how great yeah. he's been. I mean that that's you know and I got what Izzo was talking about. I mean you don't have to have a handshake line to have those moments, but those are moments where you can stop and tell somebody you know. What especially a senior who you've been battling button heads with for four years, a couple times a year in a lot of cases, you know, you've been you've been uh exactly what the game's supposed to be about. I enjoyed that Izzo rant, by the way. Um I'm just I'm just glad Trent didn't knock his ass out right there in the handshake line, frankly. That dude. He's not speaking, he doesn't he's not afraid of a shot either. I, I just love guys that no. are afraid. Like let I'll let yes. it fly. All right, Big 12, it's this is a hard question to answer because I don't think there's a wrong answer. If I ask you who you like best, and I'm talking about construction, whether it's coaching, which that's a deep league for coaches as well, uh, they got some guys that have made some runs. Who who do you who do you like in that league to to potentially be the the team that goes the the deepest in the uh, in the tournament? Is Kansas a boring answer? No, no. Okay, no. Okay, like- I mean, and I get it. I like Tech because Texas Tech to me, like I, I when they hired Adams, I was probably like a lot of people, like really, that's pretty interesting. That they've done an incredible job this year. I mean, beating Texas twice had to be as satisfying as anything anyone in the sports done this year had to be. And mm-hmm. I mean, I give him a ton of credit. And you know, Baylor's got to kind of adjust on the fly with the injuries. But I mean, of course, Kansas makes the most sense. Yeah, I mean, and Baylor, Baylor statistic. Like a lot of my answer is when I watch Kansas, I like Kansas. And and when I watch Baylor, I'm like, man, they just find a way to win. Um, but you know, it doesn't, it's not this, I'm not, I'm not watching five minutes, turn it off and be like, yep, that's a team I'm picking to go to the final four and then flip to the next game. You know what sure, I mean? Of course. Um, but, but, but when you look at numbers wise, if you look at the, the stat profiles, I mean, Baylor's top 20 in the country in offensive and defensive efficiency, which is like one of those magic recipe things that a lot of people like to point to as the okay, what's, what's almost a line of demarcation when you're cutting off your final four teams? Like, that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Baylor, on paper, you know, you like them, but, but Kansas just got some dudes and, you know, a legit national player of the year candidate. Um, and frankly, kind of do. Yeah. You spent your time, you said, the last three days in Murray. Um, they gave it to Belmont. They're playing Thursday night. Is this this undefeated season? They're they're holding on to this undefeated conference season. Man, they've been hanging on for dear life. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they almost they almost lost at UT Martin on mm-hmm. Saturday. They, the weekend before, they pulled one out of their absolute ass at Moorhead State, which like Moorhead State sneaky pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the man, they're a little shorthanded. They're a little banged up. Um, and the pressure, like, you know, we have the conversation every year about the teams that go undefeated, whether you're in league or whether you're, you know, undefeated overall, it mounts and it gets harder and it gets harder and it gets harder. And and now Murray is, is getting Belmont. Um, the good news is though, that game is in Murray, Kentucky. Yep. The arena is half the population of the town and it was going to be filled to the corners. Um, 
you know, maybe jaw drops in who knows, <laughs> but you know, that place is just going to be out of its mind. And uh, I, I like them, like them to pull it out. Um, but Belmont, if Belmont wins this game, you know, you might be looking at a two bid OVC. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot riding on that thing. That league's that league's always better than people know, unless you really pay attention to the sport. Um, the, the the problem with you agreeing to do this is see, like now I'm just tempted to, I, I, I the SEC's loaded. I want to know who you like there. Stanford, Steve and I were talking about the Big East, and I like I outside of Nova, I don't know who's a threat. No one's fun to play, right? I know that I I I I like Marquette. I like Xavier sometimes. I I like Creighton sometimes. I could keep going like Marquette. You if I didn't say, say the team Mar- that's in first place. No. Yeah. Well, Providence. I understand that, but I like. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not anti-Providence. I I love Ed Cooley. Uh, mm-hmm. I it's and I I get that they're anti-Ken Palm because there was a couple of seasons. It's been like six seven years now. Maryland kept winning close games, and of course Ken Palm doesn't like that. So they just mm-hmm. need to lose a couple more close ones. So the metrics will like him better. Uh, <laughs> I just, I wonder, I feel like, do they have pros? Like, yep. do, you know, like, do they have pros? Do they have got like, are they a four win? Could they win four? I mean, how many, how many tournament wins does that have so far in his, in his career? I want to say it's one. I think. It's, it's a pretty good question. I mean, the year in 2020. Carolina's I mean, giving they, him props. He's running the Carolina a couple of years. I know that. I, yeah, I just pulled, I just pulled it up. Looks like yeah, he hasn't. He's the most he's got to round two. Um, right. You know, they would have been there in 2020, but that year obviously didn't mm-hmm. happen. Um, so yeah, but I'm just saying that. Like, I always have that working theory though that if a coach just gets to the NCAA tournament every year, eventually, <laughs> eventually <laughs> you find a, the, the the bracket falls your way, or the buzzer beater falls, or some something happens. I had this conversation with Mark Few about that. He like just grading coaches based on the uh, using the tournament as a ruler is a really sharp pencil to grade with because something stupid happens and your season's over and it doesn't mean you didn't have a hell of a year um but it's it's i mean look and that but ultimately that's that's how you got to be get graded i get all that i just i think the big east is is one of those leagues where i i mean look how can you not love jay Wright? how can you not love nova watch the way they play that game in providence didn't blink that building was bananas man they they were ready to go, and right. Providence just didn't. I mean, uh, Nova just doesn't blink because they. Yeah, I mean, you that. can already pencil in Gillespie for a some level of game winning shot in the tournament. Is it in the right. first round? Is it in the Sweet Sixteen? Is it in the Elite? I don't know, but he's going to hit one somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I have thirty. I get a career high thirty three in that Providence game. But the point of me stopping myself from doing what I just did with the Big East is I don't want to spend your entire night on the phone with us. And I want to close with who the hell is going to be Maryland's coach. Just please tell me. Tell Obviously me the most important thing here, right? Uh, clearly. Um, give me a, give I mean, me if a, I had, if I had give to, me a name, if I had to put together the pool of names, it's, it's Enfield, Cooley, Willard, which has been a lot out there already. And then mm-hmm. Mark Schmidt. How do you feel about Mark Schmidt? I think he's an excellent coach. I, I, they, it's, does it matter like the bond adventure people thought they'd have a better year than they're having, right? Does that matter to a fan base? I think it, you, you know, the Maryland fan base, like mm-hmm. they, they're, they're, they're like, we want oats and Musselman's uh, wonder twin superpowers. We want both of them. We want, we want Musselman and oats to have a baby and get Bruce Pearl. And he, uh, they have a third baby and it's an oats Musselman uh, Pearl love child. It's like, 
Do any of you live in reality? No, because you're spending make-believe money that you don't have to worry about. None of you are donating. You're just on a message board yelling. Uh, and I appreciate that passion, but I, I just, who knows? I don't at this point. I mean, I I, I think, obviously, I, I'm invested emotionally. I, I, that's the one team I still root for with all my might. Uh, I'm hope I just I'm just hopeful that whoever it is that the that everybody pulls in the same direction, you know, because I was talking to Gary Williams tonight. I'm actually doing a thing Sunday for their 20th anniversary of them winning a title. And he's like, you know, this, this place can be pretty amazing when everybody's kind of all on board and yeah. singing the same yeah. song. And like I, I do, you know, th- like those names I said, I feel like that's pretty standard. It's not sexy and it's not like, you know, people aren't running to the message boards to say, did you hear what this guy said? Like everyone's yeah. already heard, said those names already. Uh-huh. Um, I, I do wonder like what are the odds of, of there being something kind of under the surface that, you know, some back channel stuff that, that doesn't know. I mean, like, I think I mentioned to you, like if I'm, if I'm named AD at Maryland tomorrow, um, I, I'm going to call Wes Miller and be like, cause if you take out last year, you know, if he doesn't, if, if this happened last year and the job was open and Wes Miller was still at UNC Greensboro, who would everyone mm-hmm. be talking about? Here, Wes Miller. Sure. <laughs> But, but just the, because I, he took the Cincinnati deal, he's making like one and a half million a year and his buyout's like two million and he's in a bad league. He's come from ACC country, but he's coached in the Midwest. I think he would understand a lot of the dynamics at play at Maryland. Why if, not? But if I, I'll tell you why not, if I'm the <laughs> AD, because if he comes to Maryland and does well, which I think he could, and then the Hubert Davis thing doesn't go well at Carolina and then mama calls... Well, guess mm-hmm. where Wes is getting? Wes is heading back to Tobacco Road to go back home to Carolina. So I don't want to let you use my school to put some shine on your resume and then go to Carolina. I need now. Is that how an AD operates? I see you. I don't think you your head. Be. No, I agree. I get what you're saying, <laughs> uh, but I guess it's just I look at the doomsday scenario, mm-hmm. and I'm a, and 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 my, what I just did was envision Wes Miller being great at Maryland, being so great that he appeals to Carolina and then leaving. He hasn't. He's at Cincinnati, everybody. <laughs> I just put him to Carolina through Maryland, which is, which is ridiculous. But hell, if I'm the AD, I'm calling everybody. What the hell? I'd call, why wouldn't you call Patino? You kidding me? Like, yes, I, I, I get it. Buyouts are complicated. I get the past is complicated. I get, but it's 2022. You trying to win? Like, make. Mm-hmm. I'm kicking. T- I'm kicking every tire on every potential person that could mm-hmm. elevate the program. I would. I'd lift every hood. I'd kick every tire because. Whatever it is, top blank job, right. it's a good job and you can win here. And you just have to put all your resources towards making sure you give that person the best opportunity. I do wonder, I'll be curious your opinion on this. Like, what what's the balance between hiring a coach that Maryland wants because it fits how Maryland sees itself mm-hmm. versus hiring a coach who can win in the Big Ten? But That's the school an- still has not acknowledged that it plays Big Ten basketball. <laughs> Well, I mean, Turgeon kind of did. I mean, it was it was 58, 55 games. And I mean, the school has it. I understand. <laughs> Understood. Um, I, I that's a that's such a great and, and it's such an astute observation because people like look at the names you talk about, like the, the style that Musselman or Oates or Pearl plays in, in a league that so many people play that way. And this is where Steve and I were talking earlier about like Big East versus SEC. And he's like, I'll take the Big East teams because they value the basketball, right? Mm-hmm. And there aren't as many pros in that league, but but they'll grind you into the ground. Yeah. And that's what the Big Ten does. 
It's it's a it's a grind you down league. And so you need somebody whose style attracts the kind of player that can succeed in that league. Right. And yes. so is is that the sexiest name? Maybe not. But you know, what's you know, it's sexy. And, you know, the answer winning, 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 sexy. People like that a lot. Uh, and they also well, I, like winning in March. She turned Turgeon's sin was he didn't win enough in March. You want to talk about uh, uh, coaches who have uh, prohibitive buyouts. That would be great for the job. Everyone's talking about um, your oats and your pearls and blah, blah, blah. Give me Kelvin Sampson. Give me Kelvin Sampson at at Maryland. He'll go, he'll go win you some big 10 basketball games, my man. There's (laughs) no question. That's an an eight figure number, isn't it? Isn't that eight figures? Yes. Yeah. 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 But like, That's, that's problematic. Right. Exactly. But like I'm saying to, to the, the this idea of, oh, you want to talk about pace and space and playing fast and blah, blah. Go ask Fred Hoiberg how that's working out because he's about to finish one and 19 in his third year. You know, it, it you got to you got to play Big Ten basketball to win in the Big Ten to a degree, to a degree. Right. Um, you can do your own stuff and you can do this and you can do that. But, you know, I love Houston. Go, 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 God, go talk I love, to John Beeline I, about what wins in the Big Ten. You know? I love watching Houston. Yeah, now you got now you got me thinking about Houston. Steve and I, every time Houston's are like, look, they're so effing tough. They they're got so- dudes, man. And they yeah. space you and then they hit threes and then they offensive rebound and then they make they guard you to like, death. Oh. You want you want to make a hire that makes Tom Izzo and Matt Painter say, ah, Kelvin <laughs> Sands. <laughs> Done. All right. Well, on that, Steve, you got anything else for this man? Yeah, Louisville. Oh, God. who cares? <laughs> None of those people. I don't know. I haven't even. I, I honest to God, I haven't even thought of it. I, I, if I'm if I'm Louisville, though, I, I'm probably taking a big old, big old, big old run at uh, at Chris Holtman. Got it. Doesn't he, doesn't he want Kentucky though? Well, he might not get Kentucky. What's the next best thing? I understood. understood. <laughs> it's in. I mean, look, like Patino's shown that you know you can change you can change the color of your tie. I mean, mm-hmm. they got, they got, they got, they got Brioni in red and blue. That's fair. Yep. That's fair. Listen, your, uh, your time's appreciated. Uh, clearly we could do this for hours. You got stuff to do. At some point we have a show we need to get to. So I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us and, uh, and talk college hoops, the athletic read them. There's uh, I don't think anybody better in the space is Brendan Quinn covering the sports. So thank you. Uh, and uh, we will cross paths. I hope in person sometime. Absolutely. This was awesome. Thank you guys. Tremendous, tremendous Philadelphia, huh? The 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 word I do, and it's more Delco than Philly, as he said, because I hit him with the. There's a word that I say that's the most Philadelphia thing I say, but it will get beeped if I say it. What if I said mass hole? Because I said okay. M. What it Schwink? Are we going to beep that? <laughs> I think that's safe. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. If I didn't put the M in front of it, got it. So I hit him. I, I hit him with that word. And he said, that's more Delco than Philly. It's very Baltimore, Delco, Philly. It's very regional. But um, that guy's got Philly, thick Philly. Mm-hmm. And he is excellent. I'm like his PR guy at this point. Yeah. Read, read one article and you're going to read another one. Then you're going to just be like, you know what? He's just he writes the way he talks. Just it's common sense. He's he's thinker. He's a thinker. And. Maryland fans, hard, you you know this, hardest thing in the world to do is make a Maryland fan like you. They're they're insufferable. Ooh. And Maryland fans, after he wrote the article about what happened with Turgeon, who's next, the job, what it is, what it isn't, 
they were like, you know what? This guy really put the time in and really understands what it is. And rather than hating him, they're all just appreciated that warts and all. He made Maryland people kind of look in the mirror because he took the time to do it. Anyway, I'll stop. I'll stop trying to make this guy president of the world. That's already Sepp Blatter. He's the president of everybody. Before we go, uh, Steve, you have something for me. You mentioned Maryland. I did. Um, you talked about it in there, what you got going this weekend. I'm pumped for you. I'm bummed. I'm not going to be able to go to that. Um, but I have a question for you. And this could be an easy question. And that's why I have a follow up. Your favorite Maryland basketball team of all time. Well, I mean, the, the title team, the okay. title team is the title okay. team. But, but I loved, I loved Gravis Vasquez's senior year that lost to Michigan State at the buzzer. Corey Lucius hit a buzzer beater and beat okay. Maryland in the round of 16 because that team won a share of the ACC. Vasquez on his senior night against Duke hit a couple of big time buckets and they won route one got shut down. I got past the police line. I walked into Bentley's and it was like a bomb went off (laughs) (laughs) that night. Just that team. They weren't, they had Gravis and that's, it would be disrespectful to say to the rest of the team. That's all that they needed, but they had him, man. And that dude was such a badass. Mm. And he was such a baller. And I mean, as a kid, they had like, there were some Buck Williams and Albert King teams, Ernie Graham. I could, you know, I could keep going. Yeah. But I loved, I loved that Gravis team because they, they didn't have what others had, but they had enough and they, mm-hmm. they lost at the buzzer. And, you know, that's why as we're talking to Quinn about, who could win it all and how do you win six games and how hard it is to be graded on making tournament runs, you know, they lost at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Kansas had been beaten by Northern Iowa. Maryland would have played Northern Iowa in a sweet 16 game. I mean, there were, maybe they make another final four. Maybe they lose to Northern Iowa. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but yeah. Why, why, why do you ask? Did you, did you think that was my answer? I, no, I did not. Um, I've uh, if you haven't had a chance and that's another thing I'm I'm bummed you haven't been able to watch it but the they got this ACC documentary ACC tournament documentary on the ACC network go watch it it's phenomenal they go all the way back to the 50s and they're they're doing episodes basically every 3 years and they take them in 3 year windows and I caught the 74 NC State Maryland game and I I was in tears watching it um I was born in 77 that's before my time but to see what that Maryland team almost did to NC State, which is beat them, and that goes through an NC State undefeated season, probation, and then an NC State team that wins a national title. And Maryland being in two-point games, I believe, three of the four, three of the five times, maybe even four of the five times, um, I was blown away by it. Blown away by it. They have all the guys from the team talking about the game. and. From that, I'm dying to see the 86 Terps. Lefty said if he ever won the ACC tournament, he was going to take the trophy and put it on the hood of his Cadillac and drive around North Carolina. So when they won in 86, I don't know what he did. Uh, But, yeah, no, the 74 team, this is a bit of a history lesson. Uh, Back in that era, only one team 
mm. per conference could go to the tournament, which think how stupid that is. And Maryland was a top five team. NC State was a top five team. Maryland had the lead. They lost it. They lost in overtime. And so NC State went to the tournament. They ended UCLA's winning streak in the yeah. tournament. And Maryland didn't go. And the next year, the NCAA changed the rule. And at the time, they didn't call teams at-large teams. They just called it the Maryland rule. They changed it because the thought was, there's no way you should have a tournament. And had Maryland won, it would have been equally as ridiculous that NC State wasn't in it. But the point was, those two teams are better than basically everyone else we're putting in this tournament other than maybe two teams, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so I was very little at the time. So I... I, it's funny. I thought as I got, and I've said this a lot, I thought as I got older, I'd be less attached to it. And, you know, that Gravis team shows that, nope, nope, he's still in there, still care more than I ought to, <laughs> which is which is why, and I talked about Michigan fans earlier, like I, like you guys, like, man, how'd you guys make it Wisconsin's fault? You know, if if, if it's Maryland, am I, I'm probably saying something about it. Guard didn't have to grab him. I mean, mm. That's just what we do as fans. So right. I kept trying to tell myself that about Michigan. Like, they weren't ridiculous. They're just fans. Mm-hmm. And you see things through that lens, like a lens of being a fan that isn't the most objective, you know? <laughs> I mean, and you can't be faulted for that. I just think you have to be honest with yourself sometimes about, about what it is you're really looking at. Right. So that was a tough one, 74. Mm. And, uh, and on that sad note, We'll say, we'll say goodbye on this week. Let's give it up for the icebreakers. Big one Ice, Saturday. Icebreakers on three. One, two, three. Icebreakers. Come on, Steve. For crying out loud. It's a terrible, terrible break. All right. Bye. <laughs>